0: We can't even lie to murderers? Part of Kant's enduring appeal, it seems to me, is that he promises a foolproof how-to guide for living a moral life. He is telling us that we can, if we stick with his program, get an A on this test. But just like with the thought experiments designed to show the limits of utilitarianism, we can find some hypotheticals that seem to poke holes in deontology. Here's a fun one. The irony of this thought experiment, by the way, which seems to find a crucial flaw in deontological reasoning, is that it was written by Kant himself. It's what the kids would call a self-own. So here's the experiment. Let's say a murderer wants to kill your brother Jeff, who is hiding upstairs in your house. The murderer knocks on your door. He's a polite murderer. He doesn't just barge in. And he says, hello, I am a murderer. I am trying to kill your brother Jeff is he home perchance? Now, our natural inclination would be to say, sorry, polite murderer, he is not here. But remember, Kant tells us we are not allowed to lie, because lying can't be universalized, because if everybody could lie, it would render all human communication meaningless, etc, etc. And so, absurdly, Kant tells us we are not allowed to lie to a murderer, even when he has flatly stated that he is there to murder our brother. If Kant is our guide, Jeff is doomed. Sorry, Jeff. I hope you understand. We just can't violate a universal maxim. Thanks for taking such good care of us all those years after mom and dad got divorced. Sorry you're going to be murdered. But maybe we can finagle a different maxim out of the situation, as we did with the trolley problem, and find a little escape hatch, which may in turn help us with that problem of our friend in her ugly shirt. What if we respond not with a lie, but with a true statement that doesn't help him find Jeff? What if we say... You know, polite murderer, I saw my brother earlier today at the grocery store, and I know on Tuesdays he likes to go to the park and feed the ducks. If those statements are true, and we're good enough actors to hide our nervousness, and the murderer doesn't ask any follow-up questions, and Jeff doesn't step on a creaky spot of the upstairs floor at the exact wrong time like in a horror movie, the murderer may go and check the duck pond instead of, you know, going upstairs and murdering our brother. This little hedge allows us to avoid disobeying a categorical imperative, and it also saves Jeff's life. Sometimes with Kant, it feels like a game where we have to find either the right way to phrase the maxim we will follow, or a way to avoid not following it in order to achieve the result we want without running afoul of his rules. Stuff like this is where Kant loses me, honestly. If a murderer is at our door trying to kill our brother, we don't really have a lot of time for adherence to universal maxims other than don't let anyone murder our brother. Of course, this is Kant's whole point, right? They're not universal maxims if you can pick and choose when to follow them. That's why they're not called mostly universal, but if you're in a tough scrape, they don't have to be totally universal maxims. Still, I just bristle at Kant for not allowing us to use our judgment here. It just doesn't feel very human. Aristotle, in contrast, allows us to seek virtue in a more experiential way, essentially by trial and error, which strikes me as more compassionate. It feels like he trusts us and has more tolerance for the mistakes that we're bound to make. Universally mandated duties are good in theory, but I kind of wonder how Kant would feel if he were hiding in the attic and the polite murderer came looking for him. Maybe he'd hope we had ignored his writings and read more Aristotle. Although he was so hardcore, he'd probably be perversely psyched to die because we followed a categorical imperative. In the case of our friend in the ugly shirt, then, we might find a way to be good little Kantians and still not cause our friend pain or sadness by just straight up saying, that shirt is butt ugly. Now ideally, of course, we have the kind of friendship where we can say, honestly, that's not your best look and our friend will receive that comment with equanimity. But if our friend is more sensitive or more nervous about the interview, maybe we could say, you know, I really like that blue shirt you have, you should wear that one. Or maybe we say that this interview is so important we should go shopping and pick out a shirt she looks even better in. Or maybe, if we see that she really loves the shirt, and wearing it seems to be giving her confidence heading into this job interview, and we get the sense that her wearing the shirt isn't going to ruin her life or cause her any exquisite pain or suffering, we could simply say that we generally think she always looks good, and that if the interviewer has half a brain, she'll give our friend the job, no matter what shirt she wears. With these first chapters, we have learned about the three main globs of secular ethical thought in the Western world over the last 2,400 years. Aristotelian virtue ethics, consequentialism, and deontology. But sometimes, in our everyday lives, we encounter some mundane little question about what we ought to do in some basic, earthbound scenario, and we don't want to have to employ a huge, all-encompassing moral theory to make sense of what's right. We just want someone to tell us, quickly, what we should do. We want rules, like the ones Kant offers us, but, you know, simpler rules. Really, we just want someone to explain, for example, whether we should return our shopping cart to the rack by the grocery store entrance, or whether it's okay to leave it in the parking lot. Can someone just tell us whether we should do that, without a complicated universal maxim derived from pure reason or a multi-tiered, hedon, dolor, utilitarian calculation? I mean, is that too much to ask?